welcome to Innovate Podcast, giving voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders and organizations within the nonprofit, education, culture, philanthropy, and social entrepreneurship sectors. Here's your host, Robert Rim. Physicians for Social Responsibility, known as PSR, is a physician-led organization working to protect the public from the threats of nuclear proliferation, climate change, and environmental toxins. PSR's members and activists, state and local chapters, student chapters, and national staff form a nationwide network that produces and disseminates publications, provides specialized training, offers written and oral testimony to Congress, conducts media interviews, and delivers professional and public education. PSR is a co-founder and U.S. affiliate of the International Physicians for the Prevention of Nuclear War and shared in the 1985 Nobel Peace Prize. It's also a member of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, known as ICANN, that won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2017. Jeff Carter is PSR's executive director. An attorney by training, much of his career has been split between nonprofit governance and management and public policy roles. Before joining PSR in 2017, his work was in education policy, and he served as president of both the National Coalition for Literacy and the Committee for Education Funding, the largest nonpartisan coalition of national education advocacy groups in the United States. In recent months, Jeff has been working with leaders in the peace and security field and environmental movement to mentor emerging leaders and address racial justice and gender equity, in his words. My work today often seems far removed from my days working in education policy, but there's a common thread running throughout my career, which has been to seek out opportunities where I can make a positive difference in people's lives. Most of all, I continue to be inspired by people with real courage, people who are willing to put their livelihoods or even their freedom at risk in order to stand up for what they believe. And on that wonderful reality, Jeff, welcome to Innovate Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really pleased to be here. I'd like to begin by talking about the DNA of the organization. What is it about the role of physicians that makes their commentary and action on peace societal issues so necessary? Well, you know, that's a great question, and it's something I've thought about a lot since I joined PSR. I think the original PSR has been around as an organization in one form or another since the early 60s. And I think the original idea was that physicians, as trusted authorities, as people that the public trusted, were able to use that authority to provide information that seemed credible about the dangers of nuclear weapons. When PSR started, it was entirely focused on the dangers of nuclear weapons. And that authority and credibility would move policymakers to make changes. And I think that that worked. I think now, one of the things we talk about a lot is, I think it's a slightly different, or there's a, an additional theory of change and an additional roles that physicians and health care professionals can play. Our younger members today are a lot more aware of and thinking about broad social justice uh, issues. And, and more importantly, we've always had members of PSR who are have interest in social justice. But what I, I find with younger people today is they're, they're very interested in linking these things together. So the linkages between climate change and environmental damage and racial justice, for example. And they're very eager to sort of figure out ways to work on these things together. I think we've had, I think originally there was sort of a, almost a too narrow view of what the health voice is or what it can be. A lot of our longtime members are real experts in the fields they work in. And, and they still have that voice of authority when it comes to the dangers of nuclear weapons. 
or the science behind climate change, but you don't have to be an expert, I think, in order to make a contribution. We have many physicians and health professionals who act as a witness, for example, the impact of environmental damage to their patients. And particularly right now in this moment, they can be part of a growing conversation about our national priorities. You're in a, let's say you're an emergency room doc during COVID in the last nine months. Now, you might not have really thought much about nuclear weapons during that time, but you might be thinking about where are our national priorities right now in terms of the things that we invest in to keep us safe. Maybe you didn't have, you don't have enough ICU units in your hospital. You didn't have enough personal protective equipment. What do these docs think about what we should be investing in in this country to keep us safe? Our public health infrastructure or dangerous nuclear weapons that could kill millions in an instant and by just in, are inherently you know, in, unsafe. So I think those kind of conversations are other ways in which health professionals can, can plug into our work. And about dangerous nuclear weapons, Americans' relationship with Russia, the two global superpowers when it comes to their nuclear arsenals, the relationship has been, say, complicated, to say the least, over the past four years. So as we continue to welcome Joe Biden as our current president, what message do you have for him and his administration when it comes to disarmament? I think what we're trying to figure out right now is how far they're going to be willing to go. I, there are so many issues in front of them. This 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 is a very tough time. We, we, we are not, we are moving into hopefully a new hopeful uh, time, but there's a lot of challenges in front of this president. We are still in the middle of a global pandemic and the economic damage that's being created by that pandemic is going to be with us for some time. So one of the questions is, you know, just how much time and bandwidth are they going to have to work on these issues? We have heard and seen some encouraging things. The president is committed to re-engaging with Russia on something called the New START Treaty, which is the last remaining nuclear arms treaty between this country and Russia. It's vital that that treaty be renewed. Um, and we're hearing good things from both this president here and, and the Russians as well. And then on top of that, we're gonna continue to press for changes that we think have broad support and that could be done right now in this coming Congress. We've had a lot of discussion. It's, it's unfortunate what's happened in our politics, and, and we're all still reeling over what happened at the Capitol a few weeks ago. But it did raise some questions that maybe some people haven't thought about in a long time. One of them being is this whole policy that we have in this country that the President of the United States has sole authority for making the decision to launch a nuclear weapon. And the truth is, no human being should have sole authority to do that. That's been our position for years, regardless of who the president is. And I think people are starting to think about that in light of the last four years and particularly the last few weeks. That's something that the president and the Congress could work on right now while that issue is still front and center in people's minds. He should also simply make a statement and encourage Congress to pass a resolution saying the same, which is this. That is the policy of the United States never to use a nuclear weapon first in a conflict, meaning that unless we are under threat by a nuclear weapon, we would never use our nuclear weapons in a first strike. That's a simple statement that the president could make tomorrow. And the third thing is, and I hope we can talk about this a little bit, Robert, is two days after the president was inaugurated, a very important historic treaty went into effect, the United Nations Treaty banning nuclear weapons, which was 
signed on by, by I think it's about 86 countries now signed on to that treaty. And we are unlikely to sign on to that the ban treaty anytime soon, but the president could certainly say positive things about it. I think we're all we're all wishing that one day we can abolish these weapons once and for all. And there may be deferring views on whether or not we're ever going to get there or when or how we do it. But the ban treaty expresses something that I think everyone around the world wants to see happen one day. And as a statement uh, of, a, of a goal, it would be wonderful if the president or people in his administration could say positive things about it. Is PSR currently in touch with the Biden administration? We've had some conversations. Interestingly, most of our conversations have been with the team that will be working on the climate crisis. I've been very cautiously optimistic about that work as well. I think the president has assembled a strong team in terms of the cabinet positions that will be working on this issue, Interior, EPA, and inside the White House. A lot of these conversations we started having earlier after the election, I think they're very interested in the health perspective on that issue, which is an encouraging sign. And PSR's concerns regarding nuclear technology go far beyond that of the looming threat of a nuclear holocaust. Nuclear energy is also a major concern, isn't it? PSR worked on that issue a lot in the past. As an issue for PSR, went sort of dormant in terms of our programming in recent years. When I came on board, we didn't have a full-time director working on that. We still don't. It has um, emerged again as an issue in light of the Green New Deal and thinking about moving away from fossil fuels. And I will tell you that it's a source of some controversy, even among our membership. PSR's position has long been and continues to be opposed to nuclear power as a solution to our energy problems. The problem for some of our members has been with the accelerating problem with climate change and the, the need to move off of fossil fuels in a hurry. It presents some challenges particularly thinking about those nuclear power facilities that are already online. I don't anticipate we'll change our basic position opposing nuclear power, but I do recognize that it's something that those of us who work on the climate issue are and need to wrestle with. And to this day, Jeff, have those in the nuclear community found safe ways to manufacture, utilize, store materials uh, used in the generation of nuclear power? In short, no, not in our view. <laughs> there, have been, there have been improvements and the technology changes, but some of the fundamental problems, particularly around nuclear waste, remain. So given those fundamental problems, why is it still such an active part of our, uh, of our technology, of our use of energy? Well, as I said earlier, we're in a very tough situation. And you look at the science and new and new data comes out every day on the trajectory or where we are with the, with the climate and, and the desperate need to move off of fossil fuels. You mentioned the Biden administration. That's going to be, I think, ultimately where we're going to have to push the hardest. Does it, And again, we're hearing good things right now, but of course, it's early in the administration. How serious are they about moving the country and leading an effort across the globe to move our economy off of fossil fuel. That's the challenge. And as we get closer to the point of no returns in some ways around climate change, there's going to be increasing pressure to 
look at nuclear power as an alternative energy source. And I think that's that conflict is 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 here right now, and I think it's going to intensify in the next couple of years. And about climate change, while nuclear-related issues have been at the core of PSR, you've expanded your reach, providing awareness on a host of issues. Certainly, climate concerns are at the forefront of those efforts. So setting nuclear issues aside, are there greater threats to our survival than the climate crisis? Well, you're, I, I mean, I'm almost inclined to get philosophical here for a minute, Robert. I, by all means, there, there are just multiple layers to this issue. Here are some of the conversations we've been having in the last six or seven months at PSR. And it started in a lot of ways after the George Floyd murder last summer. I think there's a growing awareness uh, among PSR members and the staff and the board of PSR and our chapters around the country that as a society, we're not doing enough to address racial justice. And that that is a core issue in our society that it lies at the heart of a lot of the other and a lot of the other issues that we're tackling. And, and moreover, if we cannot address that, if our society is that broken, and there were moments, I think, where we all had that question this summer and this fall. If our society is that broken, then what hope do we have to solve these other problems? And, and that's just on top of the fact that when you think about an issue like climate change, until recently, and it's still true for the most part today, the people who are hardest hit by the effects of climate change are people of color, are poor people, people in rural areas, people that have been marginalized. And then that brings us back to that question, why is that? A lot of our work now is looking at that kind of framing. I just don't believe that we're gonna solve, I, this is sort of a bold statement, but I don't really believe we're gonna solve the climate crisis. I don't believe we're gonna solve the problem of weapons of mass, mass destruction like nuclear weapons, unless we can solve this racial justice crisis in this country. I really believe that. Yeah. And I was really pleased that PSR this summer did finally come around to saying publicly what I think many in the health professions have been saying for years, and that's that racism is a public health issue. And um, and so that's that's part that's increasingly part of our work as well. Yeah, they've been saying that for many years, and it's a yeah. crucial aspect. Well, some see natural gas as a solution to the climate crisis, but considering the dangers and unknowns associated with fracking, you disagree with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, we strongly disagree with that. And one of the things that I've learned more, I think of all the things that I've learned about since I've been on this job, Robert, I really had no idea how dangerous fracking, the science on this is clear about how dangerous fracking is. It's not just the extraction process itself, which is really bad, it uses terrible chemicals. We're actually doing some work around looking at some of that for a report that's gonna be coming out in the next uh, few weeks or months, but it, it's dangerous at every turn. You've got the extraction, the people living near the sites, breathing the air, which is laced with carcinogens. And then you've got the pipelines, which leak. The problem of liquefied natural gas in trucks, incredibly dangerous. The pipe gas has to be repressurized in these compressor stations, which emit methane, which is a really dangerous greenhouse gas. I mean, I could go on and on. It's an, it's all, you could not design a better system if you wanted to create a way of extracting fossil fuels that would be the most unhealthy thing you could think of, uh, this, is, this is about as good as it gets. So yeah, it, it's not a solution. And it pains me when I hear people think, well, you know, we'll, we'll move off of things like coal 
and maybe we can use natural gas as sort of a stopgap. No, it's very dangerous. It's terrible for the atmosphere. It's terrible for people who live anywhere near the pipelines or the compressor stations or where they're extracting the material. It, it's not going to work. Renewable energy, which is obviously not perfect, but that's where we need to be headed. We need to rapidly invest in and improve that technology so we can move in that direction. Fossil fuels is just at this point, not something that we should be looking to increase in any way. And about that awareness, the coalition filed a lawsuit to overturn the Trump administration's sale of more than 1 million acres of public lands in the American West for fracking. So tell us about that lawsuit and what action you'd like to see the Biden administration take. The uh, interesting thing about the last four years that I'm really grateful for, and, and, and I, you know, PSR can take some credit for this, and but there are, are thousands of activists and attorneys and other groups like ours who worked so hard to defend our public lands against these kind of activities over the last four years. And we got a lot of wins, and this was one of them. We'd love to see a fracking ban nationwide across the country, but there are some things we can do before we get to that point that are really important, and this is one of them. The Biden administration has announced that they would put a pause on leasing public land for fossil fuel extraction, including fracking. We'd like to see them make that pause permanent, and we are going to be making the health case along with many others who will be making the case from other different perspectives as to why that should be a permanent ban. And it's certainly good to see business uh, join the efforts. Uh, in fact, General Motors just announced its goal to produce all electric vehicles by 2035. So what are some of the other major ways that should be undertaken to reverse our trajectory toward climate change? Well, the other thing that we've worked on is looking at ways that we can reduce the demand for fossil fuels. For example, we've been working with our chapters over the last couple of years on this building electrification project using electrical gas stops in place of gas supplied stovetops. It's one of those issues that doesn't rise to the top of the list of the most dramatic things you could do around climate change, but it makes a big difference. And what's interesting is that we found that, you know, you mentioned business, there are, you know, whether it's public officials or the builders of the buildings themselves, other folks who are involved in new building projects, we found that having that health voice talk about why electrification is healthier is a great way to add value to those discussions. And we can have a real impact there. So that's just one of the ways in which we can, and that, I think that's what's exciting about working with TSR. There are ways that people can plug in from talking about the horrific dangers of nuclear weapons, but also in local communities, we have health professionals who are speaking up at public meetings about speaking in favor of something like requiring new buildings to put in electric stoves. Everything makes a positive difference. And I love working with, with all of our folks on these various issues. And at the same time, the oil and gas industry continues to profit from the exploitation of natural resources, uh, while the products lead directly to the degradation of our communal lands. Do these companies need to be held financially responsible for the damage their products have caused our environment? My personal opinion is yes. As you may know, there have been some lawsuits looking to do that, which I follow when I can. Um, I mean, analogy that a lot of folks make is to the tobacco industry, right? Big oil knew about the dangers, just like with tobacco. It's not like suddenly 
10 or 15 years ago, they discovered, well, they, they all saw Al Gore's movie and decided, oh my gosh, we had no idea this was doing this. They knew for decades. So the question is, yeah, why not? Why shouldn't they be liable for that damage if they knew what they were doing? And uh, I'm thinking about this year too, you're in planning stages of a new campaign drawing attention to the costs and the consequences of prioritizing federal spending on dangerous things like nuclear weapons yeah. uh, that do not keep us safe over investments and in things that do, specifically our underfunded public health infrastructure and preparedness exposed by COVID-19. So what are some of those campaign's key points, Jeff? We're just starting to get specific about our plans for this campaign. After talking to a lot of people in um, public health and our own members, our thought is this. We've seen doctors speaking out against the problems they're seeing, the, the, the inadequacies of our public health system that have surfaced in light of COVID-19. They were there already, but people are more aware of those than ever. It's interesting. I think that we're really at a moment in time where people are ready to question the same old ways we've been doing things for many years. The disruption that we've been experiencing over the last four years has had one good effect, which is that it's got people worried and thinking about our future and what we need to do. And then COVID comes along and just sort of reinforces that. So this campaign is gonna be about holding our members of Congress and policymakers accountable for the decisions they make and holding that up to a light. When we see the, from starting with the president's budget, when that's released in a few weeks, and then when we go through the budget appropriations process in Congress, we want to see spending plans that reflect what we've been seeing over the last year, which is a severely underfunded public health care system, while at the same time, ridiculously bloated defense budget. I mean, just putting aside nuclear weapons, the defense budget seems to just go up by the billions and trillions every year without any accountability or explanation as to why we need to have many, many, many times the size of a defense budget than any other country on earth. And meanwhile, we don't have enough hospital beds. We got doctors wearing garbage bags. They can't get masks. Uh, uh, we're going we're to roll out some witnesses to what's happened in this country over the past year, and we're going to ask some questions. Why are we investing so much in military hardware and dangerous weapons like nuclear weapons that, as you said, do not keep us safe and neglecting more than anything else that we invest in as a society? Can't really think of anything more important than in investing in adequate health care. So those are the broad strokes of the campaign, and we're excited about it. As I, as I mentioned earlier, it's a great way for people to plug into this debate who don't consider themselves experts on the science of climate change or nuclear weapons policy, but they can talk about what they're seeing in their own backyard, in their doctor's offices, in the hospitals, and they can raise these questions. So we're excited about it. That's great to hear. And tell us about some of your other recent developments and initiatives and what lies ahead for PSR over the next five years? Oh, five years. <laughs> five, five months in the current environment. <laughs> I was going to say, we've been, it's interesting because we're getting used to this idea of proposing things that people will listen to again. And it's been kind of hard to get used to that. We've, we spent four years playing defense on everything. 
as far as I can remember, no communications whatsoever between us and the last administration on an issue like nuclear weapons and maybe one meeting to talk about climate. So there's been no interest in that. And all of a sudden we're dealing with an administration that's interested. So we're still, we're still sort of getting used to what that's like. I, don't, I started at PSR in January of 2017, so I've never personally experienced this. As I said earlier, I think the big difference between PSR right now and where we're headed and where we started, what I mentioned earlier about looking at our issues from a social justice frame, that's sort of where we find people are. They're concerned about the climate, but they're also concerned about the disproportionate effects that it's had on poor communities, people of color, et cetera. And so for PSR, which I think has always led the way on sort of the science and making the case on the health effects in a general way, I think you'll see us speaking out more on that. We're gonna be working on, quite frankly, when I came to PSR, I felt really strongly that we needed to diversify our staff and our board and our chapters. And I, we've still got a lot of work to do on that. We've made some progress, but we need to make a lot more. So those are the things I'm actually really excited about working on with PSR right now. Our central mission, which is to get rid of all nuclear weapons and to stop the global devastation that's going to be caused by climate change, that's still right out there in front. Putting in that context, I think, is equally important, and I'm excited about, about working on that. And I should add, you know, it's not actually new in a way. I think the founders of PSR came to this issue, you know, as I mentioned earlier, PSR started talking, the only issue we've talked about was nuclear weapons. But when I read about, and occasionally I'll get a chance to meet some of the founders who are still with us, but when I talk to them, they all came to this from a social justice perspective. And so it's kind of coming full circle, which is exciting. Issues from the social justice frame, accountability, diversification. Well, in these essential notes, listeners can find out more online at psr.org and throughout a wide range of media and publications. Jeff, all the best to you and the entire PSR team with your vital work that's had such a tangible impact. We're very grateful. Thank you, Robert. I really have enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources are available at our website, innovatepodcast.org. Innovate is produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and by Arch Street Press. For PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, this has been Innovate. Innovate.